0: 142 women contested the Papua New Guinea election this year with only two winning seats. Dame Carol Kidu, a former Cabinet Minister who sat in Parliament for three five-year terms, spent considerable time coaching women candidates preparing them for the poll. The two that were victorious, Kesi Sawang in the Rye Coast Open and Rufina Pita in the central regional seat, were part of her eight-woman team. Dame Carol told Don Wiseman she was hoping more would have succeeded.
1: I was hoping for definitely one more and possibly two more. One more, definite one, well, it was stolen from her, I'm quite sure of that, by buying of her votes at the last moment. And the interesting thing is that when people kind of swap and take money, they then feel an obligation to put their vote on that way. So she was the one that I thought was certain to win. Actually, she's a former member, Delilah Gorey, and I was out with her several times. And the obvious support for her was, it was really, really clear. I couldn't believe it. And she started to lead in the beginning in the incumbent's base area. Better be careful what I say, but people were called in and there's evidence that a large amount of money was given out two days before the campaign time ended. I came in after this event uh, and um, one of the candidate's sister said to me they saw some of their supporters on the trucks following around the Prime Minister, the Pangu trucks. So I did think she was a definite. I thought R- Rufina, Honourable Rufina and Honourable Casey, who have won, were very strong possibilities. And I had two others that I thought had a reasonable chance out of the eight that I worked with. But the interesting thing, Don, was that there were several women who were not in the team that I worked with because they did not stand in 2017. I worked with people who had stood in 2017, 2017 and done well. There were some that came up that were very strong. They're in the top five. And again, a couple of them, I believe, should have won, at least one. I'm convinced she was, should have won, but there was a lot of compromise in the counting room. And yes. she's had people come and actually tell her straight. So it was a very, very difficult election. Very difficult. To have two there, it's, it's great. And there's going to be a by-election in North Borgenville. And although the project I worked on is finished, I am going to make a point of going over and working with the women who are going to stand in the by-election and there is a possibility we can get a third one.
2: This is a by-election because the member who won died during the campaign.
1: Yeah during the counting actually I think Um, yeah but his daughter is going to be standing a very well qualified woman who actually worked and helped him and there are a couple of other women standing and they've already decided that they will work together and I'm going to go over and work with them and do some workshops with them and um, do the damnedest we can to try to get another woman in in that by-election.
2: As we say, 142 women, and we've often talked about the impediments to women getting into parliament and PNG Mm. and the opposition from men, the opposition from other women, the lack of Mm. money, they remain the impediments.
1: They're worse than when I stood. They're actually much worse than when I stood, Don. It's intensified, has been described by some women, a resurgence of patriarchy, but patriarchy in a new form, which is denying the power that women had traditionally, not patriarchy in its pure traditional sense where we where women did have a say and if you recall in the first election after independence three women won and this intensifying of the attitudes of patriarchy has increased over recent years. It started in my last term, my last campaign, and since then it's got much worse. It's become normalised. And also the elections being conducted like tribal warfare has become normalised in some areas and has spread to urban areas as well.
2: Dan Carroll, what do you think is driving this?
1: I think greed for power and money and the realisation of what you can gain by going into politics. And I don't want people to think that that's the only thing. I mean, many, many people stand for the right reasons, but there are also many, maybe they stand for the right reasons, but they actually use the wrong mechanisms to try to get there and abuse the system.
2: And as you say, you've seen many of these PNG elections over the last 30 years. A lot of people have said this is the worst ever. It is was that far your assessment? far worse,
1: dog. Oh, yeah, far worse. We were all horrified in general. 2017 was worse, and this one was far worse.
2: What do you think needs to happen?
1: Well, I mean, government of the day must take responsibility. They have to really go through the whole process. They have to get roles in place. It was there was funding allocated, but the roles didn't get into place. And people who had been on the roll before had disappeared. And the updates were not done properly in many areas. Some candidates who had been on the roll in other elections had disappeared from the roll. Some strong candidates, one woman, very strong candidate, had disappeared from the roll. Her name wasn't there. She couldn't vote for herself. It was just, I will say, not only were voters bribed, but polling officials were bribed. I can say that quite honestly and not be ashamed to say it because that is the fact. Polling officials, counting officials, some of them were also bribed, not just the the voters. And so we have a lot of cleaning up to do.
2: Well, there are some calls for the whole system to change.
1: Yeah, yeah. There needs to be a concerted effort to relook at the whole system. And perhaps by changing the whole system, I can introduce something that will bring women in without... the concept of reserve seats like the word reserve seat I've said to women stop using it it's a dead horse but you know if they reviewed the whole system it could be incorporated into a review for example if they introduced a senate type situation as well as the the house of politicians who are now project deliverers and let's get a senate i mean people have talked a bit about this a senate with uh, who will focus on parliamentary work that could be made 50 50 or something but i mean i just don't know if there'll be the will to do that type of thing these things have been discussed what is needed definitely is massive community awareness from 2023 until 2027, and before 2024, which are the local level government elections. The limited community awareness that I facilitated, it did have impact, and I know it had impact. And the candidates I helped said it made a huge difference to have that awareness being done out in the community about what is politics about, what is national politics about, why is it important to have women in politics, and things like that. It did have impact if it could be blanket the whole country. I, I think we could get more women in.
0: Leaders in Tokelau have condemned the anti-vax narrative of a family placed under tunoa for refusing the jab. The unvaccinated family have been under tunoa, which roughly translates to house arrest on Nukunonu in Tokelau for just over one year, and have been slapped with even tougher restrictions. Vaccinations are mandatory in Tokelau and the local council and village elders are not having a bar of the spread of misinformation by the family online. Maelino Patelisio, his wife and two adult children's internet, has been restricted for one month in an effort to dampen tension. Lydia Lewis has the latest.
3: The General Manager National of the Office of the Ongoing Government of Tokelau Aukositino Vitale has issued a frank message to an anti-vax group that he says has been spreading false information about the situation.
4: I watched uh, with disgrace your lies during the number of interviews you have had with uh, small families uh, on Nukunonu and Atafu. Taking the words of a few on Tokelau to make believe and promote your propaganda and lack of understanding of our way of life and history as a people.
3: The issue is much deeper than that. Mr Vitale says his vibrant, rich culture is under attack. This is what he said in his latest address.
4: Do not pretend you know our kahinomanga because clearly you have no understanding of the depth of our small community's way of life. Tokelau holds you account for all the lies and negatives you have caused our society. And people.
3: A strong objection following comments on social media that he says tarnishes their culture. Mr Vitale went on to read a letter addressed to the Taupulanga, or village elders, on May 4, 2022, from Ross Ardern, the former administrator of Tokelau.
4: I am of the firm opinion that Tu imposed on the unvaccinated adults has run its course respectfully as previously communicated. It is the view of both the administrator and New Zealand that the penalty of two law that you have imposed should have an immediate end to it and should never, under any circumstances, apply to children. I am concerned that the arbitrary detention of children and adults for refusing to be vaccinated, as is their right to do so, will damage the international reputation of both Tokelau and New Zealand.
3: Those are the words of Ross Andern, who is no longer the administrator of Tokelau. Don Higgins is. We reached out to him through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade in New Zealand, and they declined an interview. Following the first in person general Fono this year, I received a written response to my questions from an NFAT spokesperson. I asked, How complex is this issue given the cultural aspects? Their response, The issue is a complex one, balancing the rights and responsibilities of individuals and communities. New Zealand and Tōkelau have a commitment to try to find a resolution that complies with Tōkelau and New Zealand's international obligation, while respecting the traditional governance structures that are integral to community life in Tōkelau. Tino Vitale wants to be clear. Tōkelau officials are not puppets of Jacinda Ardern. Mr. Vitales says the health of residents is at the forefront of any decisions made by village elders and for good reason.
4: Tokelau's three Taulenas decided on what they know is best to protect their communities. Noting, the three villages of Tokelau are small, densely populated and isolated. They have limited health services. Persons who need specialist care. Are evacuated to Samoa or New Zealand. Against this background, Tokelau decided that vaccination was the best way to protect its community from the effects of the COVID 19 pandemic.